As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I believed that the squad was good enough to mount a challenge to, to potentially win a competition. We've got this far, we've got to the final, which is a great step really, and I think we'd love to go one step further and, and actually claim the silver one. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Newcastle's outside right takes it, and the ball sails goalwards. Milburn heads, and it's a goal. There's no flag, and it's Anelka. No catching him, maybe no catching Arsenal now. Milburn is there, and he fires in a terrific shot. Farms beaten all the way, and Newcastle are two up within ten minutes of the result. Staring up the scores! There's been a lot of teams, Kevin Keegan entertainers, the Bobby Robson teams that have get into this stage, but maybe just couldn't quite get over over that line. So, and it goes Lee. One one. To have the opportunity to do it um, on Sunday, I sort of I do feel very lucky. Oh, what a bit of play here by McDonald, and a good shot. Oh, and it needed a good save. Donnelly's floated cross, Bull heading it back, and look at that for sheer acrobatics. 2-1 to Manchester City. Only six minutes to go, and Robledo heads home the Newcastle winner. Very excited about it. When I signed for the club, I told that I would like to put my name in the club story, and this is going to be a great moment for us, for the fans. I think it's going to be a great game. I believe we can win any game against any team if we're at absolutely at our best. And I think we've proved that this season when we have been. We've, we've beaten some really good teams and we believe the power is in our hands and it's up to us to perform at those best levels. Hello, this is Pod Natine and Taylor Payne, and it's a huge week for Newcastle United. To go over it all, I'm joined once again by the Athletic senior writer George Calkin, Newcastle United correspondent Chris Wolf, and Newcastle United correspondent Jacob Whitehead. We'll talk about the Bobby Robson tributes, the Liverpool game, and of course the cup final. But I want to start by remembering Christian Atsu. This week it was confirmed that Christian died in the earthquake in Turkey. 
And it's all too easy to think of football as uh, apart from the rest of us, zooming around in fancy cars, attending glamorous parties, and we mostly hear about them behaving badly. But Saturday really brought home what a decent man Christian was and how he'd been part of the club as well as a community in Newcastle. Michael Walker has written a very moving account of meeting Christian's fellow churchgoers just yards from St James's Park. Michael's uh, written this uh, article, George, and I'm sure it's going to be an emotive piece. Yes, that's open available for people to read. And yes, just that, the sense that comes through it, something that we that we all knew, I think, was that um, that, that Christian was, uh, was a very dedicated man, very settled here at home. And it's just a devastating loss, obviously, for his friends and family, but for the whole club and for, and for all of us, he'll always be part of Newcastle's history and soul. Um, and you know it is worth remembering in this in this week that where the club are now in terms of post takeover in the league in the league cup final is built on the team that got Newcastle up and kept them up and although Christian had had, had left the club as others have too in the intervening period Eddie Howe has taken the ethos that he, that he, he inherited within the dressing room that honesty and that kind of determination to keep Newcastle where they were during very hard moments. And he's built on it. He hasn't scrapped it. It's been a very, very deliberate thing. And, you know, personally, I think that's that's sort of the greatest tribute to to all of those players, but to, but to Christian as well. Someone who worked very hard to get Newcastle back into the Premier League and then to keep them there. So, yeah, but it's incredibly sad. It is, and obviously thoughts are with Christian's family and friends. Uh, and Chris, Christy Natsu was, was one of those players who played football with a smile on his face, and I remember that smile being a mile wide when he scored a wonderful free kick away at Cardiff City in the Championship. One of my abiding memories of him, an absolutely uh, wonderful person by all accounts, and the, the tribute to this week have shown that. He was, and I hate making these sort of things about yourself and so I don't mean to do that but I want to, to make it clear that, that he was a wonderful but I, I got to know him quite well and I interviewed him several times and Michael Walker yeah went to Hillsong Church which is uh, near St James's Park where Christian would go basically every Sunday with his with his family and he was so unassuming he was there was nothing there was no celebrity about him he was nothing like that the amount that he has done for uh, his community back in Ghana, his foundation, which is still going and which is still trying to raise money to 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 build schools to improve communities in Ghana, arms around the child. Please, anyone, if you can spare any any cash whatsoever, it's it's a wonderful cause. And Christian put so much into it. He would host dinners uh, at the Hilton in Newcastle. He would try and raise money that way. He gave so much of his wages to that. And he was just a really, really nice and humble guy, far beyond. He was also a talented footballer. He did very, very well for Ghana, very deep into Africa Cup of Nations competitions, played the World Cup. He's, he's, he's someone who his achievements on the football pitch were, were large, but what he achieved off it was absolutely huge. And unfortunately, it was expected news given how long it had been, but that doesn't that doesn't diminish how devastating it's been. I know so many players who are still in that dressing room and his former teammates have been deeply affected by it. And I just my thoughts just go to his, his, his family and friends. Absolutely. It's football fans all over the world have been affected by this, Jacob, haven't they? And it's a, it's a horrible turn of events. Yeah, just kind of collective outpouring of grief for a player who just seems so loved from his many stops around Europe. Like when he broke through at Porto, such an exciting talent. Spent a season at Everton and in quite a bad season for Everton, just grafted so much in that year. And then obviously his legacy at Newcastle, really sad. 
It is. Uh, and if people want to make a donation in Christian's memory, uh, and please do if you can, we'll put a couple of links in the show notes. One to the Red Cross, uh, as we did a couple of weeks ago. They are doing incredible work helping the people of Turkey. Uh, and another to Arms Around the Child. Rest in peace, Christine Atsu. Christian Atsu! Wonderfully disguised! In vivid contrast to so much that's gone before it in this game. But it's a beautifully conceived free kick. Right then, chaps. Newcastle United played Liverpool on Saturday tea time. We actually played well, amazingly so, and about as bad as a match can start, let's be honest. If you were going to write a game and say, this is how bad it's going to be to start with, that would be it. A red card, two goals, but we played well. Um, George, what's the feeling like coming off the back of this? It's really hard to lose a game, play well. What are the what are the emotions after that? Uh, I think there was just that natural feeling that when the Pope thing happens in particular, that... Um, this is Newcastle and this is disaster again. And that was certainly my response to it. And it felt like that was the initial response of the stadium. It was sort of chuntering away. It was that sort of trying to work out, does that mean he's banned? What does that mean about, you know, the other keepers and things like that? And it just feels like the world is falling apart. I mean, that's just a very Newcastle thing. It was the same in the semi-final second leg against Southampton when they get a goal back and then you look at the scoreline and it's like, you know, there's still a two-goal difference. Why does it feel like this? So, yeah, so definitely mixed emotions. You come away from that game overall, apart from the three things that they did atrociously badly, Newcastle did very well. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's definitely brought that sense of trepidation. I think as we get closer to the final you know, we feel we feel that anticipation rising and uh, and all the rest of it. But yeah, it was a very strange sensation coming out of the ground on on Saturday. I thought it was, and Chris, it was a great start from Newcastle, wasn't it? Miggy had a chance early on before all the air got sucked out of the stadium and things went all a bit lemony snicket on us. But um, if one of those goes in early doors, it's a totally different game, isn't it? Well, I messaged George and Jacob at half time because I was watching it from home. They they were both there and. I said that the weird thing about this first 45 minutes is that, yes, three very bad mistakes defensively. Take them out of it. And actually, Newcastle would probably played the best they've played in a good few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Could and should have had a few goals, yet they'd somehow contrived to be heading towards a comfortable defeat and managed to negatively affect their chances of winning the cup the following weekend. It was just it was just absolutely puzzling. Um, but yeah, the Almiron chance was huge. And when, I fir- when you fo- first saw it live... I thought that he should have done better, but but seeing it again, I actually think it's a decent finish. And it's a very good save from Allison, who was save, yeah. he was the best player for them, and that says a lot about about what Liverpool weren't brilliant in large parts. And I thought Newcastle, even with ten men, looked far more threatening than them. Long periods out, Alan Saint Maximan really stood up again. He seems to do it on on a big occasion, and need to see that more regularly. But it suited him because he had a free role almost to run in behind, and he did. And he and he him and and Isak the the pace that they brought in running behind, I thought they did very well and I actually think in a, in a perverse sort of way when he when Howe had to change the system 
obviously the man down didn't help them, but I, I just early on Joe Linton as the number six, I just didn't think it worked. I thought you know he, basically in the first ten minutes he got caught on the ball twice, and fortunately one of the times uh, the referee pulled it up, and then another time uh, I think Newcastle won it back afterwards. But I just I know that he wanted them there for the physicality, but I just don't think he's good enough on the ball, and I thought he didn't get a, get around and, and harry as much as he could when the, the system changed a little bit, and so it was it was a very very weird first half, one of the weirdest I can remember in a long while. Absolutely. And Jacob, it turns out after everything we've seen this season, Nick Pope is fallible. What 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 was he playing at? Why doesn't he just kick it? I know, I know. Does he lose the ball in the lights? Has he misjudged the spin? What I mean, I felt so sorry for the lad. It was a horrible moment. Yeah, it's absolutely gutting for him. In fact, it's just a one-game ban as well with Wembley coming up. It's so cruel. But it's that game. It's weird because he came out and did a very similar intervention after only three or four minutes of a game and it is one of those where everyone in the stadium gets a little bit stressed and it goes absolutely fine and it was probably the right thing to do and throughout the season Pope has shown that this sweep keeper role is something he does really well he kind of leads the league in how far out of his goal he makes his interventions actually Allison is the most stylistically similar to him so it's quite interesting seeing both of them play and then that incident at 2-0 down I mean the incident almost seems to be underplaying it after the game, Howell kind of gave him a bit of mitigation with it being windy. He talked to us a bit about how it had been greasy, kind of rainy rainy before the game, and it did look as if it could have skidded on a bit. He just kind of misread it rather than... The bounce just looked as if he thought it was going to be higher and he could head it, and he sort of left himself in this horrible position where the only way was down, and then it's just pure instinct to grab the ball. And I know Howell said after the match where he wasn't sure if it was a red card, but I'm not... I'm not sure quite how much more Stonewall it, it could have been. I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, well, it was a Stonewall record. And I, th- I thought that actually the frustrating thing about that was that it came from a Newcastle's free kick. Set pieces are becoming increasingly frustrating for Newcastle because from corners, they are getting so many chances which they're not taking. I mean, obviously, Dan Byrne hits the bar. Cher had a couple of openings again, and they're not taking those. But actually, free kicks... I think they're they're being wasteful from a lot of them, and it wasn't a great delivery. But also Newcastle didn't react from that. That they, they, it was Sean Longstaff left almost by himself. To I know that they know that Pope, they know they want Pope to come out of his area. They want him to cover so much ground. But in a foot race between Sean, Sean Longstaff and Mo Salah, there's only one winner there, and Newcastle didn't sort of. It was almost as if when Allison got the ball, someone who we know liked to distribute very quickly. Newcastle didn't react quickly enough and didn't didn't start to drop a little bit. The defence didn't drop a little bit. There wasn't any support for Longstaff. And then it became, right, Poole has to get out of his line. He's covered 50 yards nearly to get there. And by the time they get, say, he's got Salah bearing down on him and he does he, he misreads it for whatever reason. And I thought that was that was why it was so frustrating that they, they it was almost like they're two nil down, we're trying to force a situation here, yet they're only twenty two minutes into the game or whatever it was, and that was a little bit frustrating. Yeah, just to echo what Chris said there, there's a world in which Salah manages to bring that down in his first touch before it even bounces and reaches Pope. He's only about ten centimetres away from reaching it. There's problem obviously it was a massive error from Pope, but it was compounding already a couple of errors which they'd already made. It's 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 a difficult one. I feel so sorry for Nick Pope because I think he's completely discombobulated when when his face hits the ball, the ball hits the floor at the same time, and his arms go out. And I'm not sure he knows what the hell's going on in that moment. And his arms go out and he grasps the ball. George, when I saw him going off, I still don't think he knew exactly what had happened because he face planted so hard. It just seems like such a 
I feel so sorry for him. I know a lot of people are blaming him and saying it was a rush of blood, but I just feel sorry for the lad. I, I, he's been absolutely magnificent this season, and I hope this doesn't define his his year. You know, it's horrible. Oh, I'm I'm just devastated. I'm devastated for for, for him. I'm devastated for the team and for everybody because he, as you say, he's 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 been absolutely incredible this season. It's one of those things. There's no one to blame but himself. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can sort of say that. And so he has to take the punishment. But you know, he's been unbelievable for Newcastle. It was a very kind of poignant moment. He um, he kind of walked walked through the empty stadium at the end and up to see his family in his box afterwards. And yeah, you know, he uh, ninety minutes before they'd all been thinking about um, you know Wembley and all this. You know, the week that um, the week that week that lies ahead. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity for somebody else and we'll come on to talk about that. But no, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's probably been Newcastle's player of the season. Um, just an astonishingly good signing. And the first response has to be a human one for 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 him. Absolutely. And George, you had a little chat to Martin Dubrovka after the game as well. He had this to say. I think we were better team, even with the 10 guys. You know, we create some chances and I don't think that you could see that we are playing without uh, without one guy. So uh, I think we made it difficult for them. They had a couple of chances as well, but I think the, the players showed determination and uh, the fight spirit as well. And, and I think it was a good performance. That's why it hurts. You must feel desperately sad for, for Nick after the way that he's played this season, obviously, the game next weekend. <laughs> It is, it is, that's football sometimes, you know, but uh, obviously it's a, the worst timing that, uh, that it could be. But I don't know what to even say, you know. Uh, it has to be devastating for him, especially because it's a f- first final after a really long time for Newcastle. And, and uh, what to say, it's a really sad situation for him. And do you feel disappointed for yourself as well? Because, I mean, again, it's really weird. It is, it is. played for the other team. What the story is that, right? So yeah, I played yeah. two games for Manchester. Uh, I can't play final, I can't be there for the players. Uh, it is a very strange situation, even for me, to, to, to be in. Uh, but, but that sometimes happens, something, something like this. Hopefully the players who are going to have a chance to show uh, they are capable of, of, of playing in, in front of a thousand people. So hopefully we can achieve and is, the, is the mood in the dressing room still positive after that? It is, but it is a bit strange because we felt today that uh, we could we could get something from, from this match, you know, because we, we create two or three good opportunities where we could score and make it very tough for them. But unfortunately, we were not that clinical and then obviously they had the two chances and scored a goal. So, Chris, that's the first league defeat since the 31st of August at Anfield against Liverpool as well. Um, should we feel a bit dispirited because of this or, or not? I think it's it, it has kind of two sides to this, doesn't it? Because now we're not worrying about losing that unbeaten that unbeaten run because it is gone. We've now just got to get on with it and uh, take our medicine, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, Liverpool are just the bogey side for Newcastle, really. Uh, I mean, for years, Newcastle haven't been able to get anywhere near competing with them, but the, the frustration of what happened at Anfield and how unlucky they were there, and then, as I say on Saturday, just felt as if... Newcastle were cursed in that game. They weren't. They weren't going to win it, even though for a large part, a lot of what they did was was good. And they were punished by Liverpool, who haven't been punishing teams recently. Doing that, it's, if that match had been played three or four weeks ago, I have no doubt Newcastle would have won it. And so timing probably didn't suit them. And I, I, what is slightly concerning is that the, the, if you look at the the two, I know we're going to go on the cup final later in the week, but later in the show, sorry. But if you look at the form of both sides, Newcastle have hit a sticky patch and. 
for whatever reason, it isn't quite working. Even how himself has sort of admitted that they're not quite as fluid as they were previously. They're not taking their opportunities. They've had injuries to key players. And there you can see how much they've missed Bruno Gimaraes, for, for example. I mean, he's he's absolutely huge for them. And so disrupting their rhythm both in the league and the League Cup and they just need something to get them going again and hopefully that's this weekend and it gets them back on the road because at the moment they just seem a little bit disjointed whereas for six months they looked everything seemed to just be working perfectly and everyone knew their role whereas at the minute I think there's just a little bit of, of, of blurred lines coming in there. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Jacob, um, Chris mentioned Alanson Maximan earlier on. Obviously, the sending off changed the shape of the team, changed his role somewhat, but he was probably Newcastle's man of the match, wasn't he? He was great. It's been so nice to see how in his three games since being restored to the starting eleven, how each one has built on them. Like, he was, I think he created a goal against Bournemouth with, with his dribble on the left, and he was even better at the weekend. I thought that he in a way, benefited from the red card in that he really seemed to enjoy playing up in the sort of front two, as sort of Chris alluded to earlier. Um, he was just so direct and so confident. So I wrote a couple of weeks ago after, I think, his West Ham game, sort of slightly questioning, you know, kind of long-term if he could both sustain his attacking output if he was having to do the defensive work that Howe asked of him. And maybe it was slightly because he spent so much of the game playing in the top two, but I didn't really feel like it felt like Newcastle were missing him. Or sorry, that he was sort of... Newcastle were lacking something with his pressing and he was putting out such attacking output that it was really encouraging. I thought there were shades of Man City in that in that performance. Absolutely. And that is hugely that is hugely encouraging. In some ways, the circumstances don't matter too much because it's just good... I think for him and for the team and for us to see that he can still have that energy and be that effective, I think that's the real positive to carry into the weekend that suddenly you've got that threat again and you know on that form he will cause Manchester United problems. He certainly will if he plays and if he starts. We have to say though, George, and I'm, I hope you agree with this, the highlight of the day, probably seeing that Bobby 90 banner unfurled in the East Stand, brilliant from Sam Richardson and War Flags and they've done us proud again, haven't they? It was a wonderful moment. Yeah, it was very, very special. So Ollie, our our producer, came up, as did Sam. You know, Sam's not from Newcastle, but he wanted um he wanted to be there for the game and um we went into the stadium on Friday night to see War Flags at work and had a dry run of the banner. I was incredibly emotional on the Friday night. Um, you know, we all put a lot of work into the to the Bobby ninety series. Very, very proud of it, you know, the the flag, the fanzine. Still available, um, so please, uh, please buy it if you haven't. Um, funds go to the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation, and yeah, and then seeing it for the game itself was just beautiful. It just looked so, so, so beautiful. More than I can say for the Newcastle sound system, but <laughs> it, uh, but the club did us proud. War flags, you know, war flags are just this phenomenon, really. Game in, game out, encouraging the atmosphere, building it up building on it and you know they're they're so ingrained in the club now and so part of of our atmosphere and what we are but yeah it was just absolute an absolute thrill it really was it was beautiful and it was a, it was a really touching tribute as well eddie howe as well laid some flowers at the uh, the bobby statue before the game and his children were there and and elsie uh, did the same as well it it, it had a real uh, emotional feel about the whole day chris didn't it and it was it was it was pretty special it was. I mean, I just want to 
again, I, I hate doing this, but I'm going to praise George publicly, and I, but I want, but I am going to get quite emotional about it and say I, I cannot tell you how much he's put into this. I wasn't on the section of the podcast where he discussed all last week, but this has been a labour of love for him for more than a year. He's spoken about it, he's pushed it, I know how much effort he's put into it, how many calls he's had to make, how many favours he's had to call in. Although I say favours, as soon as he mentioned Bobby Robson's name, people were just so happy to get involved. And I think what he's produced has been unique. The podcasts are just astonishing. The amount of people have come up to me and said that they've had tears in their eyes or they've loved them and it's beautiful. And also all of the written pieces and then the flag and the day itself. It's just been absolutely astonishing. A wonderful tribute to someone who means a heck of a lot to, I'm sure, just about everyone listening to this podcast and beyond. And so, yeah, I just want to congratulate George. And now I'm going to go and be sick in my mouth a little bit elsewhere. <laughs> here, here, George, you've played an absolute blinder. And the podcast as well with, with Ollie, our, our producer, um, they, they were just brilliant to listen to. I've listened to the whole lot last week and they were they were fantastic. When we spoke last week, I'd only listened to the first two uh, and listened to the, the last one when he's talking about setting up the, uh, the, the Bobby Robson Foundation. My God. You know how to get to a man, don't you, George? You know how to get to a man <laughs> to pull his heartstrings. It was just incredible. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, going back to going back to sort of doing those interviews for the book back then, it felt like a kind of big deal. And it felt like, you know, it was felt sort of important, him talking about his own health and illness, kind of breaking it down and being public about it and being open and sharing that. It felt like that was a sort of important, you know, thing to do. And as with everything else, he kind of bore it in his own way, in his own idiosyncratic way with that sort of sense of curiosity and wanting to do something good at the end of his life. So, but no, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. It's been a very emotional, um, it's been a very emotional kind of couple of weeks with all building up to all that. And, um, the emotion does not stop here, does it? Absolutely not. It's going to come thick and fast. Um, George, we've got a little bit of audio as well here with, uh, with yourself, uh, and an interview with Bobby's son, Mark Robson. Firstly, happy birthday on behalf of your dad. Um, what do you think he would, he would make of all this? Uh, well, I wish he was here for the game. Uh, he would dearly love to be here for the game. Yeah, well, the statue of a... I know he's a very humble man, wasn't he? He probably wouldn't want too much fuss. He'd be more looking forward to the, the kick-off and, the, and the, a, a positive result. But it's nice that Mom's still going. My brothers are here. The, you know, the three of us and Mom are here. And the club had laid on the flowers and, and helped us today. So, yeah, he'd be proud of the club. And proud, you know, proud of the fans and the flowers. He'd love the flowers. Yeah, I'm sure he's looking down and um, and wishing for three points. And have you kept an eye on the Bobby 90 stuff that's been happening this week? I mean, I know you were in the stadium last night, so you had a sneak preview of the flags. What do you what do you think of, of all that stuff? Yeah, we met, we met the guys and girls from Wall Flags last night. What a what an incredible bunch of people. So it's lovely to thank them, meet them, and thank them because uh, you know they're week in week out at it, uh, giving up their time. So lovely to see them. I can't wait to see the display uh, just before kickoff. And the Bobby 90 thing I love, I absolutely love. You know, he, he's 90 today and all the podcasts, all the fans, all the recollections because he has such a long career in football and he met so many people. He seemed to have touched so many people. Everyone seems to have a story about him, which is fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a, a big week and it's just so appropriate that we've got a big game tonight. 
And I have to talk about the foundation. Obviously, everything that we've done with Bobby 90 has been pointing back to the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. I mean, still going strong, still raising millions of pounds. How proud are you of, of that legacy? Yeah, no, enormously proud and so determined to keep it going because I've said before, once Dad died, we didn't know what would happen to his cancer foundation. But it's gone from strength to strength and it's because of him, not because of what we do or I do. It's because of what people think of him. And I honestly, yeah, he would probably think more of that than the football side of it and, and how, if we can save people from suffering, he would be so determined to do that. And Because he was, you know, he liked helping people. You know, he was a man of the people and, you know, from the northeast. And he, he, he got more as much pleasure out of doing that than, than maybe three points. So, yeah, he would want us to keep going. And I think with people like yourself as well, George, we're determined to keep going. Yes, the work goes on. Go to SirBobbyRobsonFoundation.org.uk to contribute to that work. Helping people who are living with cancer across the northeast and beyond. Uh, time for a quick break, uh, but before that, get yourselves over to TheAthletic.com forward slash NewcastlePod where you can pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. That's TheAthletic.com forward slash NewcastlePod. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Right then, chaps, Newcastle United will play Manchester Reds in the Carabao Cup final on Sunday with a 4.30pm kickoff. Jacob's shaking his head at me not using the correct names there. Do you keep saying United, Jacob? It has been a fraught week for me talking about this match. Um, <laughs> you did it today, Jacob. You did it today, and I know Jacob. I did it deliberately twice to wind you up. Just growing up in the Well, it did wind me up. I don't want to be wound up at this point. I'm wound up enough. I'm wound like a wound thing. I'm just having to put two decades in myself behind me and, and re relearn my vocabulary. Uh, and it's getting there. But I, I, whenever I seem to talk about football at the moment, I've got George and Chris metaphorically slamming my fingers in the piano if I use the wrong terminology. <laughs> it wasn't your fingers, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You'll get there, Jacob. Don't worry. You'll learn, man. It, it, it takes a bit of time to pick it up. But, uh, yeah, we, we say Newcastle United. And Manchester United, as long as you know that. Um, but, chaps, the goalkeeper chaos is at the forefront of everybody's minds and Carius is an unknown quantity, but he was good enough to be Liverpool's first choice goalkeeper in a campaign which saw them reach the Champions League final. So, Chris, what do we think? Well, this is absolutely baffling situation and I know that a lot of people, as George and actually Jacob wrote about, feel that this feels like a very, very Newcastle United scenario. And that is that... They somehow have, have contrived to get themselves into a situation where, as of as of three weeks ago, 
their fourth and fifth choice goalkeepers are now the only two senior goalkeepers they have available for this weekend. And so if we rewind a little bit before discussing why it is going to be between Loris Carries and Mark Gillespie, and it's almost certainly going to be Loris Carries who starts, is because last summer, Martin Dubravka, after Nick Pope had arrived, basically had his nose put out of joint a little bit, and he pushed to go out on loan to Manchester United. Eddie Howe was reluctant at first, and I think both because Dubravka pushed and other people at the club were saying, you don't want to keep an unhappy goalkeeper here, you've got other keepers, let him go out on loan. So he departed on loan to Manchester United. So he was left with uh, Pope, Darlow and Gillespie. They'd sold Freddie Woodman already that summer. Sorry, this is quite long because it's quite complicated. So then (laughs) next what happens is that after the transfer window closes, at that point Mark Gillespie is going to be named as the third goalkeeper in the 25-man squad. But Carl Darlow gets an injury which is going to keep him out for about eight weeks. So Newcastle try and scratch around for another goalkeeper. A free agent it had to be. And so with with 36 hours left, they managed to... First of all, they approached Ben Foster, former Watford goalkeeper, who turned them down. And then Loris Carius was available, so they brought in Loris Carius. He was second choice behind Pope for the start of the season when Darlow was injured. Dubravka plays two matches in the Carabao Cup for Manchester United to get himself cup-tied. Subsequently, Darlow returns. Carius becomes third choice goalkeeper. Sorry, this does go on. Uh, <laughs> It's like an Oliver Stone film. This it's just is, is anyone taking notes? <laughs> it is, and then and then oh, I'm trying to write a piece explaining this at the minute, which is quite complicated. So then, <laughs> then they get to that stage. So in January, uh, Carius is who signed a short term deal up to January to begin with, with an option to extend. Some of the club are minded to let him go because they've got Carl Darlow, but Carl Darlow's pushing to leave. Eddie Howe basically asks for them to keep Carrius on, has to fight, does get him to sign a new contract, but still decides Carl Darlow's ahead of him in the pecking order. So agrees a loan move to Hull City for Carl Darlow, but delays it until the final hour of the January transfer window so that Carl Darlow can be on the bench for both legs of the Carabao Cup semi-final against Southampton so that Carrius doesn't have to be in the matchday squad. Subsequently, he goes to Hull, where he's sat on the bench since. Martin Dubravka is cup tied. Chris, Chris, I'm going to have to Chris. Chris, 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 the final's kicking off in ten minutes. You're going to have (laughs) to come on, Chris. You'll have to get a move on. There was, there was the, there's the background to where we are. And so, Loris Carries has not played a competitive fixture since February 28th, 2021. Mark Gillespie has not played a competitive fixture since September 2020. Uh, the two of them haven't been in a matchday squad. Carrius was November, Gillespie was September, and yet they are the two keepers Newcastle have to take. And they've got 18 year old Max Thompson, who's the son of Ray Thompson, the, the kit man, is the third keeper who's going along with them oh to cover. God. So that's the situation they are in. It says a lot when Mark Gillespie's best performance in Newcastle was in Cozy Joe's karaoke lounge. Uh, <laughs> that says an awful lot. Um, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? But I can't help but feeling, George, Loris Carrius has the mother of all redemption arcs to his story, and he's just waiting for a cup final for this to come full circle and for him to be a hero. I'm not sure every, anyone agrees with me, but that's what it feels like. Well, just... Yeah, you know, just just playing the big games. Just save yourself for the cup finals. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean it's a, it's an extraordinary story. As uh, as Dubravka said himself, it's like a film. It's like a film plot. It's like it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's a good keeper. You don't get to be in a Premier League squad without being a shit hot player. I mean, I think you know certainly in our terms and relative terms. And so I don't have. I'm not. I'm not fearful on, in that sense at all. The thing that makes me concerned, and I'm sure the the thing that will be concerning sort of everybody else around the club, is that is just the lack of football. And yeah, perhaps it's 
I don't know, is it easier for a goalkeeper to get up to speed than an outfield player in terms of the speed of matches and all the rest of it? I don't know. You know, I don't know. But you would want your goalkeeper to have had, you know, a game somewhere down the line and something to kind of draw on. And I, I think that's the that's the thing, really, that kind of concerns me, that just, just that lack of football. But it's a it's an incredible story. I hope he thrives in it. Wish him nothing but uh, but the best and good luck. And yeah, no, as Chris said, at, at the time it happened, it just felt like it felt like the most Newcastle thing possible. But it it's this this one is more cock up than conspiracy. It's not like a. I don't think anyone has particularly made a error here apart from Nick Pope. Yeah, that's the sad thing. Yeah, that's the sad thing. It's interesting, isn't it, Jacob? Because Loris Carius's career was almost defined by that Champions League final and the mistakes that he made in that game. And now he has a chance at redemption. He has a chance to define his career in another way with Newcastle United and make himself a hero. Yeah, it's kind of horrible in some ways also to think about it in that way. I've got this image of a long shot coming in from 30 yards and in those kind of two seconds, that exact narrative passing through his brain, <laughs> overthinking this kind of simple oh catch of a ball. Yeah. That's what... I'm worried about. Would he be played by Sean Bean in the in the film of this? Uh, as long as he's not played by Mr. Bean, that's, um, that's <laughs> any other Bean would be fine. <laughs> Baked Bean, Sean Bean, just not Mr. Bean. Yeah, it's a tough situation to be in, but I'm sure he's going to give it his all. I'm sure he's going to do the best he can for for Newcastle. One bit of good news, uh, Chris, is that we'll have Bruno Gimaraes back, and my God, have we missed him! Yes, and that's another quirk of the sort of basically of this competition and in terms of suspensions. So Bruno Gimaraes gets sent off in the Carabao Cup, but there's three Premier League games in between. So he serves a suspension in the Premier League, can play in the Carabao Cup final. Nick Pope gets sent off in the Premier League, one game suspension, next game's the Carabao Cup final, so he's un- he's unavailable. But if Joe Linton, who's on nine bookings, had got a tenth booking last weekend to get a two-match suspension, he would have been available to play because it's only served in the in the competition in which you get the yellow card. So I, I think that it's it, it's crazy that it is. I think there needs to be consistency throughout, but. I think Bruno Gimaraes, I think he has a point to prove as well on Sunday. He's been a huge player for Newcastle, but Newcastle were basically already heading through in that competition and he managed to get sent off and it's affected their form going into this and in the league. And I'm not trying, he's been so huge and contributed so much, but I think he will be chomping at the bit to get back as well. And we know he transforms what they what they are as an attacking force, and to see him at Wembley up against Casemiro, that sort of battle of the of the Brazilians, and and Fred maybe might even play, who's been ahead of him in the in the Brazil side. So he's got a point to prove in that sense as well. So I think that's a huge boost for Newcastle. Whereas it's going to be a bit disjointed in defence because it's been a back five, including the goalkeeper Pope, who's been so important, and they're going to have to get to know Carius. Bruno Guimaraes is just going to settle into that midfield dictate play as he always does and hopefully on that big Wembley pitch is able to send through the likes of Alan Saint-Maximan and Isak or Wilson whoever's going through and really pull the strings as he has been so often we have to hope as well George that the occasion doesn't get to him and he can keep his emotions in check now speaking as a man who is uh, often trying to keep his emotions in check yourself <laughs> it's going to be a difficult day for him isn't it he's going to be playing right on the edge he's going to be busting a gut to get back into the into the game and get stuck in and make an impact you just have to hope he doesn't overdo it yeah I mean I think that applies to everybody I think we felt the scene a bit of that um, in the last kind of couple of weeks, I thought I always thought Liverpool was a good game for Newcastle to have because I think it meant that everybody would be up for it, and you had to sort of forget around all the stuff around the final. Um, and it proved that way in some ways, obviously not with Nick Pope, but um, but certainly for the rest of them, it was a good 
good game to put that to one side. But it's a team that plays on the edge, and it's a team that has to play that way. It's a team that, you know, the the one of the great stories of the season is how everybody has kind of roused themselves and played above themselves. I think, but that carries a that kind of carries a danger with it. We know it's a huge occasion. You know, most Newcastle players haven't won't have done anything of this magnitude, and that whole you know at Man United, I know that they've not won a trophy for a little while, but this is a chance for Newcastle. United's players to etch themselves into the club's history for forever to be immortalised. It's a big, big deal. So yeah, they have to find some way to keep that in check. Absolutely. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, Chris, as well. We are probably going into this as second favourites, but how big of a chance do we actually have here? This, this is as good a chance as we've had for such a long time to win a cup. Well, when the two teams both first got through the semi-finals, I said, and I genuinely believed it was almost a coin flip match. I thought it was basically 50-50. And I think in the interim, the difference in form... changed. Yeah, it's yeah. changing. The, and the the injuries or suspensions that have affected Newcastle, I'd now say it's probably 65-35 to Man United, 70-30, something like that, in terms of if you just think of it logically and the form that Marcus Rashford's in and the form that Manchester United are in. But there is also Man United play... Thursday night, they've got a huge match against Barcelona where they're going to have to put out a strong team because they've drawn twos each from the, from the first leg. I think between the semi-final and the final, Newcastle have had three matches. They've had seven, I think it is, six or seven. So hopefully tiredness plays a part. Hopefully they go to get pushed extra time by Barcelona. That would also be nice. to. And and so I do think Newcastle have, have, have got a good chance. Yes, they're going to a second favourites, but I'm going to put... I'm still going to be on the positive side and I'm going to let heart rule head and say that I still think they have a, a very good opportunity on Sunday. It feels like that, doesn't it? And Jake, we know that this lot are going to fight for every single ball on that pitch, aren't they? They will not give up. And, you know, you have the likes of Joe Linton, Sven Botman in there. They're going to be gunning for Man United. They're going to try and win every single ball. I'm really looking forward to that Brazilian battle in midfield with Gillington and Bruno versus Casemiro and possibly Fred. Kind of, it's just going to be this kind of, you know, taste of rear in Wembley which is going to be really fun you know you wonder if um, who is the new Brazil coach I don't know if they've got one yet have they no well give it a Bruno's dad let him do it he seems to be doing everything else at the he minute can do a so job. just give it him yeah well <laughs> whoever Brazil's new coach might be will be good one for him to watch Jacob these these players and, and the fans and everybody we trust Eddie Howe as well don't we we trust him to prepare for this game in the correct way and he's going to have that team as best prepared as they can be for it I think so I mean they've done it all season. It's interesting. I remember me and George writing after the quarterfinal that Eddie House had never managed a team in a semi-final before. And now, look at him here, one step further on. You've got to trust him. There's no reason not to. Absolutely. Uh, George, it's uh, it's hallowed turf, Wembley Stadium, isn't it? And it's going to be interesting to see if Newcastle bring out some vintage shithousing on the day uh, and, and go back to that kind of behaviour that we've seen a few times this season already. Yes, and I will, um, before I mention that, I will mention Jacob actually wrote a lovely piece about how Eddie Howe this week, going back to his childhood home and and sort of writing about how that compares uh, to Newcastle in a kind of very different way. I would urge people to read that. It was um, it was really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what is my dream? I dream of Jamal Lascelles having one hand up in the air, blocking a Man United throw-in and then having one hand on the trophy a bit later on. I mean, yeah. You know, it is a it is a tough fixture. If you look at Man United's last last sort of sequence of matches, I think in 19 games they've 
They've lost one, which compares, you know, which compares to Newcastle's run, except that Man United have won 15 of them. So they're, Man United are winning games. They're winning. So I, I do think it's a challenge, but the thing I love about this Newcastle team is that they find a way of getting through matches. They are, you know, to use the cliche, a band of brothers. Um, and they'll, they'll do everything. I mean, you know, they'll do everything to try and win. They represent us, um, in the way that they, uh, put everything on the line for a match. And, you know, as long as they do that on Sunday, um, I think, I think we'll be, I think we'll be happy. But yeah, yeah, well, yeah, a bit of shit housing. Yeah. Why not? Well, we'll do a bit of that. Yeah. Strange things happen in cup finals, George, don't they? I mean, I'm just looking, sitting here looking at the list of, of League Cup winners. And um, we've got Swansea City in there. We've got Birmingham City, Middlesbrough, Blackburn Rovers. There's there's all kinds of teams in there. I mean, obviously, the last few years, it's been a bit of a monopoly between Man City, Man United, Liverpool and Chelsea. But anything can happen on cup final day, can't it? And you've got to believe that Newcastle have a chance. Oh my God! Of course they've got a chance. I mean, they're fifth in the Premier League. They're they're they're, they're having an absolutely outstanding season, and I think there's that, you know, there is that sense that come what may, um, this is the you know this is the start of something. Not the I mean, if Newcastle were to win, it would be the end of something. It would be the end of this big long wait, um, you know, that we've that we've all longed for, and you know, to experience what that might feel like. God knows, we just don't know. It's impossible to put ourselves in that situation. And we yearn for it, we long for it, we can't wait. But, you know, the great thing is that it actually feels like the start of something. But, you know, Newcastle aren't in the Championship. They're not a League One team. They're in the top half of the Premier League. They're there because they deserve to be. And, um, yeah, they go they, they go there. Um, you know, I... I, I, I completely agree with what Chris said. I think a couple a few weeks ago you'd have said that it was a 50-50 game too close to call. I think Manchester United will be favourites now, but so so what? Yeah, it doesn't matter. This episode is supported by season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You mentioned there the, the, the drought as well of trophies, and I'm sure you're all fully aware, uh, but it's worth restating that Newcastle's last domestic cup win was 1955. And Bobby, 90 listeners will know that Sir Bobby was in the stands having bought his ticket as a Fulham player as well, which is an incredible piece of, uh, piece of history there. Amazingly, there's a highlight reel as well of the game, so here's a little taste. The highlight. 
highlight of the soccer year, the FA Cup final finds Manchester City taking the field at Wembley against Cup specialists Newcastle United. Cup specialists. A hundred thousand have come to watch, including Her Majesty the Queen, who is greeted by the Duchess and Earl of Athlone. Manchester skipper Roy Paul spins and Jimmy Scala wins the toss to give Newcastle the best of no slight breeze. The City in white shorts kick off and the game of the year is on. Among those playing in the cup final, the first German to do so is Bert Troutman in City's goal. Newcastle press quickly and inside right Jackie Milburn forces City's left back little to give a corner, all he could do. Newcastle's outside right takes it and the ball sails goalwards. Milburn heads and it's a goal. A beautifully timed header. And within one minute from the start, Newcastle are one up. Oh my God, that's amazing listening to that, isn't it? Incredible stuff. And there goes Milburn, back to the centre circle, swigging on a bottle of brown ale and chugging away at ten <laughs> woodbines. It's a marvellous start for the Geordies. <laughs> I just think of the Harry Enfield, Mr Chumley Warner, that's all it sounds like to me. It's amazing. Newcastle have won the cup, Mr. Chumley Warner. That is brilliant. Tell you what, the marking, the you know, have a look at the marking for that for for Jackie's goal. Incredible. Are they are they marking sort of fictionally? Is that rather than? No, well, there is no marking. There is no <laughs> marking. And this this is some, this is something Jacob's Jacob's written a piece about this as well, haven't you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, like the cool kids watch the whole game rather than just the highlight reel. Um, there's a great comment on it this morning saying that if Newcastle win at the weekend, we'll have to do the entirety of the next podcast in. The style of a Pafé newsreel. I'm up for that. Which could be an entertaining hour. I'll do um, anything if Newcastle win. It's a shame George didn't watch it as well, because one thing he'll love about it is that there's no finesse shots. Everyone just twats every single time the ball gets about 30 yards away from goal. It really is a golden era of twatting. Smash it. Yeah, that's 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 my Newcastle. Cup specialists and twatting. Constantly twatting. It's quite interesting. Though. I tried to sort of like have a look with Duncan, who gave it full up to treatment. Um, and there's kind of a few things which... Eddie Howe's modern Newcastle might recognise kind of these split runs from the striker out wide. There's teams playing with false nines, which feels very avant-garde for 1950s. It's good fun. It's good fun. I'd recommend. And of course, lads, Newcastle have never won the League Cup, though. In 1976, uh, when Supermax flu-ridden mob lost to Man City, was our only other appearance in the final, Chris. So it's been a long time coming, this one, hasn't it? It has, and speaking of, of Jackie Milburn, there's the famous quote from where he talks about Newcastle being a cup cup team and that you can always count on that, and obviously that has very much not <laughs> been the case since his... Yeah. I mean, in his day, there were three three FA Cups in, in four years, it was then, and they'd, they'd, they'd had a lot of success uh, up to that stage of competition, and then only since then there's been the, the Fairs Cup in, in 1969, a competition doesn't even exist anymore, Uh <laughs> And the League Cup, Newcastle have, has been really barren for Newcastle. That this was the only the second time they've ever got they've ever got the semi final. Never mind the second time they've got to the to the final. So that was seventy six. The you fast forward to to twenty twenty three, and there is there is belief going in this game, and 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 so there there should be. And what I really like about it as well is that at least my feeling going into it is that. When you think back to the 98 and 99 Cup Finals, Newcastle didn't really fire a shot in anger. It was almost like they went there and it was it, there was only ever going to be one winner. And then first year it was Arsenal, then, then it was Man United. Whereas on Sunday, you do feel 
that an Eddie Howe side, this Newcastle side this season, are at least going to try and impose themselves on the opposition and try and, and, and get on the front foot at certain points. And if it, hopefully it works, it, it might not, but I don't feel it's going to be as passive as maybe it has been before, or at least a foregone conclusion like that. And so that's where I have optimism and hope that this, this can go well for Newcastle and I just I'm just so proud of of everyone associated with the company so proud of Eddie Howe of the players of the coaching staff of everyone who has managed to get them to this position because it's far quicker than I expected them to be and it's thoroughly deserved as George says the fifth in the Premier League they're in the final of the Carabao Cup and it's just been an excellent season so far yeah and I just I just wanted to kind of echo some of those some of those things Alan Shearer's written a, a piece for us which will be up uh, towards the end of the week and he's you know he's talking about the history of the club, um, both from his time as a player, but kind of beyond that and wider than that. His own dad uh, saw Newcastle win the first cup. He saw the he saw the first leg of that and was at their League Cup final. Um, and that you know that's what this moment is about. Really, it's about finals. It's about it. Um, it's about family. It's about you know about those relationships that sort of stretch down the decades. And it's a great set piece. Um, for everybody to kind of move somewhere else, move to London for the weekend, either in person if you're lucky enough to have got a ticket or certainly in spirit and take a step back and remember why you do it. You know, remember the bad times and how unpleasant it's been for some of it in recent years and just to take stock and and celebrate. And that is the first thing that we have to do. I mean, I think, you know, I find it difficult to look beyond that, that that idea of the weekend, I haven't really thought about the match as an entity in its own self, but just just that chance to kind of be with people and hang about and and feel very proud. You know, no Shearer's also talked about about the finals that he played in, but back then, of course, it it wasn't just the finals. There was then a you know there were two there were two finals in a row, ninety eight, ninety nine. Then there was a semi final at Wembley, um, the year after under Sir Bobby. His first competitive game for Newcastle was the Charity Shield at Wembley. And, you know, all of those occasions were painful. But the point was that that was an era, that was a time when Newcastle were trying, when the idea was that they were trying to win something. And there was always that sense that they were having a go. And they made some terrible decisions. They got things wrong. And there were some bleak points during all that. So I'm not trying to kind of romanticise the whole thing. But the idea was that they tried and that they tried to win. And that has been lost. It's been lost for 10 years, 15 years, really, um, in spite of the odd spike. And that feeling of what, of what Newcastle could stand for and should stand for had totally and utterly gone. Now it's back. That is very, very powerful. Um, yeah, this is the, this is the start. It's not the end. Absolutely. You mentioned there, George, people who, who've got tickets to go down to the game, the lucky few, and commiserations to everyone who couldn't get a ticket. But Wembley is going to be a black and white party, let's be honest. And there are going to be other opportunities soon, hopefully, for the club to do something like this again. And uh, we've got a little message here from Alan from work for, for the fans. Hi, Alan Shearer here. Just a message to all the Newcastle fans heading down to London, uh, Wembley this weekend. And to many more watching on from home. Safe travels, good luck, have fun. And hopefully you never this might be the time that they bring the trophy back to Newcastle. It's been too long. But thankfully, finally, the club are trying again. I'm there, so I can't wait. Come on, the Jories. All the best, guys. So we've done uh, we've done this a few times recently, uh, and the whole enjoy the day nonsense can do one as far as I'm concerned now. But uh, we are going to win. 
Let's just believe, George, we are going to win, but we have to acknowledge the astronomical improvement in the performance of our football team. It's barely 17 months since Eddie Howe took the job. We can take pride in that win, lose or draw. However, I have to say as a fan, purely as a fan and not with any kind of journalist hat on, because I know you lads are proper serious journalists and I am a fan. If we win this thing on Sunday, it's going to get messy. All right. This has been a long time coming. I've waited my entire life to see Newcastle win a trophy. I can't explain to you the state I'm going to be in on Sunday night if we win this thing. I can't explain to you the emotions, the feelings. All I know is that it's going to be mad. If we win, London is going to have to brace itself because however many thousands of Geordies are going to go absolutely insane for as long as they possibly can. I can't wait for the occasion. It's going to be brilliant whatever happens, but if we win this thing... I've already said, I've already said there's a chance you might not see me for a week. But <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, this could be the last so, could be the last pod on the time ever, this, couldn't it? I mean it's like see see you at a, in at a in a park bench sometime in twenty twenty four. Stored away on a boat. I'm halfway around the world. I've joined you know the Foreign Legion. I joined the Foreign Legion. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen, but it, it it could be it could be a monumental occasion, couldn't it? And I'm so, so looking forward to it. I've decided to flee the country rather than be in London. <laughs> You're not even here, Jacob. Like you're gonna miss it all. Now I'm gonna watch it in in a sports bar somewhere in the back streets of Prague with David Rosenhal. Hey, with David Rosenhal, the the Czech, Czech, former Czech. That's a niche. Uh, Newcastle. Niche. It's a very yeah. niche. Well, actress, ping over his it? number. Unfortunately, Pavel Cernicek is is no longer with you. Go with find his brother in Milan, I suppose. Uh, but there'll be a lot. There, I, I'm sure there are some Newcastle fans there for that reason that Pavel Cernicek carried uh, such weight when he was here. So. We have to hope and pray as well that all of the transport gets everybody there on time. You know, LNER, notwithstanding there has been moments where we've had uh, issues with trains and transport and all that sort of stuff. We are, of course, going to the other end of the country to watch a game of football. And that isn't always as straightforward as you would like it to be. On dry trains as well. Dry trains as well, yeah. Dry I'm trains. Sure whatever and, there, and, and there are no, there are no train, train tickets left. I mean, that's you know people have sort of joked about the... Final tickets and hotel rooms you can't get on a train. I mean, you can't get on a train from Newcastle to London over the course of the weekend. It's astonishing. It is going to be this mass, mass pilgrimage, this mass uplift of of city to city, and th- that for me is is the is the really special bit. I can't wait. You know, I can't wait for that all to start building up on Friday and Saturday to, to just to be part of it. To you know, to feel what that's like. Um, yeah, and and doing all that in the knowledge that. This might be a very special occasion, but it shouldn't be. Um, it shouldn't be the last one. You know, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the first and last. Um, but it's 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 how the club is built now. Doesn't mean we can take it for granted. Doesn't mean we won't. You know, wring absolutely every single ounce of emotion out of out of this weekend. But it's just a very yeah, just a very special place to be. Newcastle United are trying again, and you know that's the biggest thing of all. Although I echo ninety nine percent of that, I just want to pick up. On something you said, Taylor, you went very Steve Bruce when you said win, lose, or draw. And uh, is it going to be like when Newcastle when Newcastle were knocked out by, <laughs> by uh, on penalty? Win, lose, or draw. Oh. They didn't. Uh, by Burnley, sorry, they didn't. They didn't lose though, did they? They didn't lose that night. No, win, lose, or draw. But if we draw, that's it. Game's over. Finished. <laughs> yeah. We drew it. We drew the Carabao Cup final. That's it. Clean it. I have keep to a say, clean like, sheet. keep a clean sheet. Have... Let's just let's just keep a clean sheet. See what happens. That's it, yeah. We have to appeal to Man United on this podcast, though, and say, you've had enough success over the years. Just let us have this. 
Do you know what I mean? Just let us well, have it. Well, and particularly... What's, what's the, what, yeah. what harm's it going to cause to just let us have this one? Particularly against us. I mean, there's been that, you know, we've got that sort of Liverpool relationship, which, um, you know, which we saw kind of last felt, felt again last weekend, but the sort of four threes and all that are in, kind of embedded in our memory. But when it comes to some of the kind of huge occasions, uh, for Newcastle over the last, you know, 30 years or so, Man United have been right up there. As I say, all those things connected to Shearer, him turning them down to come to Newcastle, the charity shield in his in his first appearance, the fact that they've gone so close the season before, the one nil at St James's when when they won, Eric and Cantona Cantona. scored and were absolutely yeah. battered, and Schmeichel was incredible. The five nil um, the following season, um, which just felt like an absolute dream to the to the to the cup final. Yeah, they've 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 not been a kind of kindly opponent to us but there's been some absolutely sort of epic epic moments the keen shearer confrontation <laughs> on the pitch stuff yeah, like that absolutely um but it's you know the, the the brilliant thing about it the great thing about it is that newcastle are going toe-to-toe with them again you know they're not playing this isn't a, like a league game as it was two or three years ago longer when newcastle were going and you know were were preparing to play Man United and the idea was to keep the score down. You know, they're going there and they'll fight them toe-to-toe. They may not win, but they'll give absolutely everything and they're, they're, they're playing them as equals. Absolutely. Right then, chaps. Anybody got anything else to add before we wrap up? Can we get George with one of those sort of cameras which loom over their face? For, for the duration of a like week, a GoPro, yeah, like a sort of Francis Bourgeois style GoPro yeah. documentary, GoPro of George's weekend, yeah. yeah, I think would do incredible numbers. <laughs> they're, they're waterproof as well, aren't they? Those GoPros, so that's good because we know there's going to be tears. Yeah, <laughs> I meant to mention earlier if we'd have somehow documented George's stream of consciousness from five minutes before kickoff against Liverpool when the Bobby T four was going up to twenty minutes in when Nick Pope got sent off. I've never seen a single man have to contend with so many competing emotions in such a short space of time. It was truly incredible to watch. At one point, he just kind of thrust a bag of jelly babies towards me to take them. Oh, that's oh, how dear. Bless him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're going to have yeah, to try and keep it together on Sunday, George, if you can. Well, I think we'll all struggle. I think I'll str- I will yeah. struggle. I don't mind saying that. I'll struggle. I'll struggle... Um, I think I'll struggle the night before, and we'll see. I mean, I'm in the press box, and so is Chris. So, you know, I'm I'm going to um, I'm going to try and stay professional, but um, but yeah, no, I just can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Same. I don't think anybody can, to be honest. It's going to be a long week, isn't it? Waiting for uh, for the weekend to come round. Uh, well, that's it. Um, don't forget, uh, you can get yourselves to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod, where you can pick up a subscription to the Athletic and pay just one pounds ninety nine a month for your first year. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. Right then, chaps. Thanks a lot, Jacob, for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Chris Wolf, for your time. Thank you, everyone. And if this if if this is the last ever pod on the time. I, I hope that your hangover's all right. Yeah, it's been fun, hasn't it? George, thank you so much for your time. Well, again, if they, I mean, I'm sort of tempted to do just a massive load of swear words if it's the last one ever, because no one's going to take this <laughs> off air, are just they? Just get them all out. But no, have a great weekend, everyone. Hope, fingers crossed, and ah, uh, yeah. Next week's, next week's show will be interesting, won't it? God. It will. Uh, yeah, we'll be back with a little special episode um, early on next week with all the sights, sounds and smells of the cup final. We shall hopefully speak to you very soon. Um, look after yourselves, everyone out there. Enjoy the weekend. Safe journeys. Uh, have a fantastic time. And here's hoping that Newcastle bring home 
the Carabao Cup on Sunday night. Uh, from everyone at Pod on the Time, thanks a lot for listening. Take care. Goodbye. Again to get our suits measured. The Athletic.